I was super bearish about AI, but the future is peaceful coexistence. This thing isn't taking jobs. This thing can enhance what we're already doing. B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of season two of the B2B Content Strategies podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, the founder of Content 10X. And in this episode, I speak to Chris Hutchins, the director of content strategy at SixSense, a B2B SaaS company who are arming revenue teams with data and visibility to convert high quality pipeline into revenue. Chris is also the owner and senior consultant of the Worthy Work Company, a marketing consultancy helping B2B companies create content with unique brand messages and a human voice. Now, in this episode, Chris and I discuss his role at Sixth Sense and their overarching content strategy. We talk about how he optimizes and streamlines day-to-day processes, as well as the ever-expanding and changing world of AI and how it influences his work. We had a fantastic conversation about AI, so I think you're going to really love this one. There's plenty to look forward to in this episode, a fantastic conversation with Chris Hutchins. Let's dive in. Chris, welcome to a B2B Content Strategist. It is an absolute honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Very much appreciate it and really looking forward to our conversation. To get started, to jump in, as they say, in summary, could you tell me about your role as Director of Content Strategy at Sixth Sense and also, of course, like what Sixth Sense does? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, for, the first uh, question might be hard. Harder to answer than the, than the second, but the, yeah, Sixth Sense started as an account-based marketing platform for B2B solutions for sellers and marketers to kind of help uh, find uh, and identify buyers who are researching for solutions, but are doing so anonymously, meaning typically marketers jump for joy when they receive a lead from a form fill on a, on a website, right? Like, you know, contact us for more information, contact us for a demo, or give us your email for, for an ebook. But we have found that like, that's only like 3% of website visitors actually do that, right? The, there, there are many more uh, buyers uh, and buying teams out in the world that are doing this, their product research, kind of like under the waterline or under the radar and doing it anonymously by, you know, visiting uh, trade publication websites, forums, social media, and doing their research that way. Well, Sixth Sense is kind of ha- has the ability to kind of see those invisible footprints in the snow, right? right. That, that we all that we all kind of leave behind as we're as we're doing things like this on the web. And then um you know compiles it uh and using uh, uh machine learning and and super red AI like is able to kind of compile it and analyze it in ways that you know B2B buyers and and marketers can like acquire contact information, understand where buyers are in the in the buyer's journey. Uh, it's a whole like a whole list of tools and services that, that we provide to kind of enhance that, you know, that prospecting experience for, for sellers. 
Uh, but the thing that fascinates me most about it as a content person is that like it can also make recommendations to a, a marketer or a seller in terms of like, well, the buyers at this particular point in the buying journey, here's the kind of content that you should send to them because these are the concerns that the, we've deduced that these are the concerns that they have on their mind right now. So there's this real nice kind of elegant mapping of, you know, super brain AI and what, you know, my, me and my team do, uh, you kind of like, there's a direct line between that and, and the, the consumer or the buyer. And I think that's really interesting. So what I do at Sixth Sense is that I'm the, um, the director of content strategy, uh, which means that I'm you know, generally speaking in charge of making sure that, you know, our, our editorial calendar is, is running, uh, properly that we are, you know, cre ideating, uh, and creating and publishing content that is meeting our business needs or speaking to the trends of the greater, you know, the greater market. Um, and, and also, you know, kind of contributing to uh, some more, you know, like, like I'm basically kind of like the last line of defense when it comes to what we put on our website. I try to vet as many words as I can of, of anything that we do and even like emails that we send out to, to, to prospects. It's, um, it's kind of like a, an all-encompassing role and and in within recent months, you know, my my job has become increasingly higher. What I call higher up the mountain. I'm not involved in the day to day of content production um, and you know editing or assigning stories like I used to be. But now I'm kind of able to being on that higher part of the mountain, see farther out in the distance, and you know triangulate our our content strategy to meet the business needs and the market needs. Awesome, that's that's fantastic. And in terms of your team, so um. I saw a post that you put out on LinkedIn recently that said that you have the best content marketing team in the business. So congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I, I finally did it. No, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, what does your team look like? So what you know, how how is it structured, kind of people and the roles that you have within the team? Yeah, yeah, it's generally like it's generally flat from a uh like direct reports point of view. So I, I oversee the, um, I'm going to get the boring stuff out of the way first, like the org, the org chart stuff. I'll get that out of the way. And then we'll do. So it's like, there's me and then they, I have three direct reports and then let's say between two and four freelancers that we, that we work with pretty regularly. Uh, one of the direct reports is our, what I'll call our editor in chief. Uh, and he, uh, you know, runs the, make sure that the trains are running on time and, and, uh, is properly ideating, assigning and editing, you know, the content from the rest of the writers. I have two staff writers who are full time. They, um, you know, I, I hail from the newspaper business. So we, um, have kind of, and, and my editor, uh, or the editor in chief also hails from the newspaper business. So we kind of take a newspaperly approach to, uh, content production and management. So we, and, and, and how we kind of also distribute, uh, stories for assignment and writing. So what we do is that we have what we call GA or general assignment stories. And these would be, you know, written for, uh, blog posts or, or, you know, how to's or guides or whatever. And this kind of content is written for, you know, any general reader, but typically our general reader would be a marketer, you know, marketing persona. And then we have what are called beats or subject matter, uh, you know, uh, this is a newspaper term where it's basically like you're assigned a particular kind of sphere of subject matter that is, you know, pertinent to our business interests. You've got the manufacturing beat, you've got the FinServe beat, you've got the, uh, you know, whatever else what beat. And what we do is the product beat. And we have these these writers, you know, focus their expertise and their writings 
in finding stories that complement those beats, because again, those are serving our business needs and uh, making sure that they're like in touch, regularly in touch with subject matter experts across the business to make sure that, you know, wh whatever we're writing isn't only accurate, but is like timely and is, is meeting again, the needs of the business. So those are the, those are the two um, writers that we have. And then our, our freelancers, you know, between you know, re regularly two or three that we work with um, on the daily, they're typically doing what I would call the GA or the general assignment stories, right? The ones that are written mostly for, for anybody. But, um, you know, when, when needed, you know, they can pinch hint and, uh, and do some of this beast related stuff too. Cool. That's really interesting. And then in terms of your content strategy, so, um, you know, obviously having looked at your content, there's so much from the events, webinars, blog, you've got Talking Sense podcasts, you've got video series, really love the news team six, the videos that you guys have been doing on the, saw those on LinkedIn. And, and really varied content, lots of followers, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, there's a lot going on, obviously, and you're doing a, a wonderful job in 2023. What's your overall content strategy look like in terms of the priorities that you have? Yeah. Firstly, thanks for all the compliments about the content. And it, it's interesting because while most of the content, you know, is, is overseen by me, not all of the content is kind of like strategized by me. So for instance, the, the talking sense uh, video series is the brainchild of Latney, you know, Conant, our, uh, our CMO, like that's just her jam. And, you know, and, you know, and if she pops up and says, I want to do a video series where we interview sales leaders, we're like, we're, we're right behind you. No, no problem. And so what our, and, and our content, like support, like, you know, the, the stuff that my team does, like supports the promotion of that. Like we will write blog yeah. posts. The news team six stuff, you know, is stuff that I helped ideate, but like our brilliant video team really took the lead in terms of like refining those scripts and getting all that, you know, together. So it's a, it's a really is like a team, team effort that extends over multiple kind of creative uh, parts of the, uh, of the marketing team. Right. Um, and so when it comes to forging what a content strategy looks like for the year, it always goes back for me in terms of like, well, like what are the nuts and bolts? business needs that we're trying to, to, to meet, like what's new that we are trying to do. So for instance, in mid March, we're releasing a new uh, product to our platform that we believe it's super disruptive. We believe it's going to be super helpful. And for me, it's okay. Well, I know that that's going to happen in mid March. So how can I reverse engineer a content strategy that not only like supports the short-term needs of making this debut as powerful and as enticing as we can, then like understanding that that's just the beginning of the party, right? Then there is like a full year's worth, six months worth of content that extends over there. Um, another, so like, that's an example of like these kind of tentpole events or product releases that, that we have distributed throughout the year and me making sure that we have a, you know, a strategy that supports that. And hopefully like a narrative, and this is a little bit different than like, you know, what I would consider traditional content, but a narrative that supports that. What's the theme of that? What can, how can we extend that theme over the course of a, a calendar quarter or two quarters or three quarters? Like, like, how can we, you know, like if we are making the big debut of the product uh, in March, what would be the next, you know, predictable part of a story that would unfold in the following quarter? Like, is it, um, maybe it's, evidence that this works right and so we dedicate an entire you know chunk of our content creation efforts on making sure that people understand 
that, that are that they can see that, that this thing is working and it is worth their while, right? And maybe the next part of this of the three act story is um, showing that how customers are benefiting from that. I'm a long form storyteller. I have had experience writing novels, and so what I try to do is kind of prove, you know, when I can, kind of approach a a novelist kind of uh, mind to understanding that just because you put the baby out in the world doesn't mean that like that's it like you then have to kind of nurture it and 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 help it grow so there's there's that kind of like long long-term um the thematic uh kind of practical strategy that we do here but then there's another component of the strategy which is you know kind of like the nuts and bolts plumbing of okay well what are we doing really well now just from a practical content production point of view right and what do what needs of the business uh, overlap with what we need to do better? Like where are we falling short? So, for instance, the first you know, let's say six or eight months that I was at uh, Six Sense, um, there was a business need to make sure that we had um, lots of a top of like that we needed top of funnel content to get people into you know the sales journey, and so we leaned nearly exclusively into that. And by the end of that, you know, eight months or whatever it was, like. My writers were just like blog writing ninjas. <laughs> I mean, like they could like they could just like throw them two words and they would just write eight hundred words about it. It was amazing. But they, but you know, where you lean into one thing, it's like a seesaw. You are coming up short in another. And we realized, well, you know what? Now that we've kind of served one business need, now let's kind of lean into the longer the longer term goals of um, SEO optimization and you know organic traffic and creating positioning ourselves as thought leaders incredible sources of information so now we've leaned then we kind of leaned heavily into long-form content like how-tos and guides and pillar you know pillar content and whatnot so and so and as we kind of examine you know this year we, we will probably lean more heavily into let's say video for instance because that's another part of the seesaw that you know it is is i think underused by by our team the content marketing teams uh, and 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 it's so immediate and effective of a, of a of a channel that we can't we can't not ignore it anymore. So there, so there's like these two. I, I know that's a long answer, but there are like these two kind of um, uh, planes that we are kind of like operating on. The first is and the most important is like serving the business needs uh, to to ensure that you know uh, whatever tentpole stuff the the company wants to do we're supporting with all our might and then kind of like the under the waterline stuff of like, okay, where, how can we improve and, and what kind of new ways of telling stories can we use to, you know, further educate readers and keep our credibility high. Yeah. And, and with all of that going on, um, obviously there's a, a, a lot of work there. Um, what do you and your team do to help to streamline more of those kind of day-to-day -day recurring processes that are working around this? And, I was looking forward to asking you this question because I saw, um, I think in LinkedIn, you say that you you use nimble workflows to produce world-class content at scale. I, I love that term, nimble workflows, because um, it's kind of yeah. music to my ears. That's the kind of person I am as well. I assume you're talking about things like that, like, you know, streamlining processes, working um, nimble as well, like being able to act and respond quickly to things. Is there anything in particular that, you do to to make sure that that happens sure. well i think that you know um i'll get into like a specific kind of process to illustrate what i mean in a minute but like my mantra has always been like just don't overthink it right and and, and the reason is because i'm inclined to overthink everything 
and and so like by by kind of making this my personal mantra it kind of bleeds out into you know the, the work that we do and um one of the things that i think you know or people like content strategists or content managers um earlier in their careers kind of get hung up on is like well gosh i have to have the perfect plan or the perfect workflow or the perverse per perfect production flow before i can ship a word of copies like, like i have to have it locked down right and, and our perspective has been like ship you know put on your trainers lace them up tighten them up fast and run right and we will and we will find a process as we go and that's what we did here you know and, and generally speaking we we did that here at six cents but you know from my my career you know in in past roles as you know content strategist or managers like I have a, I have a workflow down and the workflow, you know, is essentially like, like it is, it is ID, like it is ideated. The story is ideated and assigned and we give the full support to the writer as they go off into, you know, the wilderness and, you know, find their, find the links and do all the stuff and they come back. And, um, you know, and then there is a typically an iterative, I mean, none of this is new, like a typically an iterative, you know, editorial process, but that is just kind of like one component of it. So the assigning editor, this is just like a newspaper, the assigning editor will review it uh give it a bloody nose get into a good place and then it doesn't go straight into production and what i mean in production i mean like going into the cms or wordpress to, to public it, it then is like and then we, we goes through a second what we call second edit and this is like often a another writer uh reviewing it because what we want to do is ensure that our writers are growing as storytellers and as craftspeople and there is there is one half of your brain that is a writer, and there is another part of the brain that is used when you're an editor. And we want to make sure that our our right our staff is well rounded in that respect, where they are, you know, they they are not doing the heavy lifting of what we call the first edit. That's the assigning editor's job. But they are looking for ways to, for concision, like to 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 tighten copy, to um, you know, for voice style, um, for clarity. And we have found a lot of success in, in 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 personal growth, professional growth in them. Even even doing that, it may take them twenty minutes to do that. But like you do that, you do that enough day in and day out, and you become a better you become a better line editor. Um, then it'll go to um, what we would call like an approval, like like third edit, which is often me. I try to proof everything that that goes on the site before before it does. And there's there are instances where like I have to pull the emergency brake and just say like can't like like there's a narrative like there's a there's a non-obvious thing that no one else saw but me because i am removed from the process right you know or or i have a different maybe i just happen to have a different kind of like professional experience that illuminates a, a hole that other people wouldn't and, and and so like i'm kind of like i try to be like that so that it basically like my fingerprints are on the gun if anything good if anything goes wrong like i, I can be the one that they can fire it <laughs> and uh and then, and then we, and then we, uh, and then we do that proofing in, in the CMS, the rest of it's done kind of like in a Google doc or, or something like that. And then, and then we publish it. Um, so like, what's special about that? It's uncomplicated, right? It's, it's as uncomplicated as, as it can be. Uh, and our, and the workflow that, that kind of supports that in Asana, that's our, that's our project management tool is equally streamlined, right? Like don't over, like don't overthink it. You know, I could go on and on about the merits of each little stage in the editorial process, but uh, but that's that's about it. I mean, there's a part of we are we are getting increasingly better at what I call pre-editing or um, 
like the stage of the stage of the editorial process before a single word is written, right? Where we are finding like we're not just making ideas to fill the blog, right? Out of desperation. Like we're actually trying to triangulate on like thoughtful topics that are relevant to our persona, like the personas and the verticals, right? And that's easy if you're doing that like, you know, maybe once a month, but like we're we're busting out like three or four often like we used to bust out like eight blog posts a week we've dialed it down to maybe about three or four but but even so it's like like if you're just you can't just write for the sake of writing right to check a box for the bot right i mean yes you can i'm sorry to say but many b2b content creators do that where it's just like you use Google a particular keyword that's important to a business and like it is all this it's all sounds the same and it's distressing because that means that like nobody's learning that there's nothing new being presented, right? There's no revelations. As long as our content can bring two or three moments of revelation where the reader goes, huh, right? Or their eyes just widen just a bit, right? Or they like circle something or they, you know, whatever, like that's all we want because like then we've earned their trust because we're doing something more than parroting the, what, what everybody else is writing. So that pre-editing process where we are trying to find like actually relevant topics uh, and then outlining those topics in a way that we believe are relevant and resonant to the readers, like that's become increasingly important as, as we've kind of like, you know, as, as I, my tenure has, has gone on. And we have found that that, that pre-editing process where you're really trying to get into the, the heads of the reader um, really impacts the quality and the relevance of what the output is. Right. And, and, and the, and on the output end, and I promise I'm done, I'm a long-winded guy, I'm, but, but on, but on the, uh, but on the output end, you know, the editors being a champion for the reader. So, you know, on the front end, we are trying to get into the heads of the reader. And on the other end, it's like, okay, we want to make sure that this is clear, that they understand it. We were, we are an advocate for the reader so that we under, you know, the, the, the copy can be as, um, um, well and as thoughtfully presented as possible. And then we ship. So like, it's, I, I know that, that's a long way to describe what I would consider a pretty unsophisticated, you know, process, um, you know, and we, and we take this approach when we do like uh, content that would cross uh, creative departments, like an ebook where we're involving design or, you know, video, you know, that sort of thing. Similar process. Yeah. Touching on what you said um, about, you know, the importance of content being different not everything not just coming out the same from a google search and and that trust building as well it's a really good segue onto what i wanted to ask you about now which is ai just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a b2b technology or professional services company and you want help with streamlining your content operations outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. Now, back to the conversation. 
obviously as a, as a business six and use AI in your um, products and your offering and everything like that. But then from a content team and the content production side of thing, everyone's talking about chat GPT and things like that, which, um, as you, as you, as you've been saying in terms of everything sounding the same, obviously everybody's using chat GPT, then everything's going to sound the same. What's your opinion on that? Have you tried, um, yep. AI with yeah. content production? Firstly, we're all in. We're all in on AI. Um, but we also understand that it's a minefield, right? And I think that more seasoned editors and writers, but especially editors, can like are deeply concerned about what I call the dead-eyed copy, meaning copy that's that comes out of ChatGPT on its own is lifeless. It is vanilla, it is general, it is um uniform in paragraph length it is it's weird right i liken this to ai image creation tools let's just just bear with me as i do a sidebar here i like fooling around with ai image generation tools where i put in a prompt and it barfs out you know like some you know image and i am like endlessly impressed by the artistic quality right but artists are disgusted by the output because they see all the things that I, as a non-artist, don't see, right? And, and, and like, you know, and who's right and who's wrong? Well, I mean, it kind of depends on, you know, your interests and your use cases, right? Well, let's, let's kind of transplant that to the, the chat GPT space where I think that even many content creators, but certainly people like in, in marketing are kind of like doing the hallelujah dance for chat GPT, because this is, this is exactly what we need. It's content at scale. It's, it's, it's the answer to all of our prayers. Right. But the more seasoned, you know, readers, whether they know they're seasoned or not, and certainly more seasoned editors just look at that. And that's like, that is, that is, that copy is dead, right? There's no heart. And I don't mean it in like, you write with passion or that you use adjectives that spark emotion. Like you can do that, but I don't even mean that. I just mean like there is just something about humans putting words together uh, on a page that is different than the output, current output of chat GPT. It, it's flatlined, right? But we also understand that um, uh, chat GPT does you know, present a promised land of content at scale, not world-class content at scale, but content at scale. So. We are currently um, doing tons of experiments like under the hood uh, in terms of like, well, how might we use this? We found um, and we have found that ultimately for now, the best applications of AI for content creation are, are things that are modest in scope. Okay. Um, you don't write a blog post with this thing because about 300 words into it, it'll like go off the rails, start publishing outright falsehoods, plagiarize things and like probably profess its love to the, to the writer you know, or to the reader, you know, by the end of the story. I mean, like, this is like, there is like, it is called, there's a term for this. And, and we, we've seen this. I don't know if uh, you are, your listeners have, or, or your, your audience have seen you know, this story about like how I think it was like a New York Times uh, journalist you know, spoke, spoke with the Bing AI for two hours. And by the end, it went, the AI went into what the industry calls like a hallucinatory state, but that is hallucinations is what they really call it. And by the end, it was like professing its love for the interviewer, 
Holt was trying to convince the interviewer to uh, ab- to leave his wife to oh, be wow. with the AI. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. I mean, it was really just really bananas. And so like, okay, well, if if we can't write 800 word blog posts with this thing yet because it goes off the rails, what can we do? Well, we can use it for emails. Uh, we can use it for story ideation. What topics might we, you know, might be relevant for our interests? We use it for outlining stories, right? And we use it for on the back end um, in terms of like, well, maybe there's some technical, some highly technical content that should be presented in a more casual, reader-friendly style. And we'll ask ChatGP to do that. And it's often very good at that. But what it isn't, but what we will never do is publish something that the AI has written without any kind of human oversight or editorial review. So Unfortunately, there are other things that we're doing under the hood and behind the curtain that I'd like to share uh, with us kind of like working with other solutions and, and, you know, figuring out ways to to truly bring like a human-esque touch to what the, the AI is doing. I wish I could talk about it more, but I can't. But, but I'm like within, within a week, uh, maybe even within a day, I was super bearish about AI. And then I saw something on the web, but it's like, I got it. And I, and like, and I just realized, you know what, like this is the future is peaceful coexistence. This thing isn't taking jobs. Like this thing is, can enhance what we're already doing. Right. It enhances our lives by arguably reducing brain space for ideation. It reduces time in terms of content creation. It reduces time and effort in terms of editorial overview reduces costs because like you're not, you know, having to maybe engage a writing service to do, to outsource your, your stuff. And there are costs that are, there are trade-off costs that are associated with that. And I believe that those costs all happen in the beginning of this process, right? The initial adoption of AI into a, into an editorial workflow where it's like, oh crap, like how do we write effective prompts to get this thing to because it's like a, it's like a magic spell. Like you can't use words like, like you and I use words to tell the AI how to write a thing. You know, we would typically be like, well, write an 800 word, write an 800 word blog post about uh, how, how ABX uh, impacts uh, small, small SMB, uh, B2B, LMNLP, XYZ. And like, we give that to, you know, a human and they're like, I'm on it. I got it. You give that to an AI and it's like, and it's yeah. just, you know, it's like a mess. It's a hot mess. And it's all dead eyed, right? So like there's this front end investment in terms of like, well, we have to become wizards. So we have to learn the magic spell and the, and the magic words. And like, and like we have to inherit costs associated with onboarding and associate, you know, and costs associated with like acquiring an AI solution if we need to do that. And then there's, and you know, and like, oh gosh, we got to edit and how do we, what are the best ways to edit this copy and et cetera. But I find that like, I, it's just like, just like bringing, it's just like learning a new thing. It's all. It's all front end expense. You know, you went to college or, or you went to university or maybe you didn't. And you're just like, you started a career in writing, but like that whole front, but there was like so much learning, right. You know, and, and brain and brain breaking and retraining the mind in, in unusual ways that I think we kind of take for granted because it's just like, we've been writing because, you know, because everyone can write. That doesn't mean everyone can write well, but, but everyone can, but everyone can write. And, and and this is just like two or three steps removed from a natural kind of language that we have that um, it's intimidating and it's costly. But I'm convinced that, you know, 
you master the magic spells, right? And the ongoing process at scale uh, and in the long term will create great benefits, especially, especially, and I'm, and I, here I go again. I promise I'm almost done. Uh, you know, especially uh, in the instance of like ensuring that, and we want readers to like we meaning six cents. I want our readers to know when they're reading copy that's been assisted, you know, by an AI and its creation. Like I want them to know that so that not only uh, like so that they you know if they've got any skepticism, well they can bring that to it, but that maybe maybe they also can be reassured that you know with human and AI you know, collaboration in that way, that the the, cap, the copy can be world-class and resonant and just as relevant as it might otherwise be. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because um, as you were, you know, talking through that, and I, I think your answer was amazing, and I agree with everything that you said. Um, I was thinking back to when you were explaining Sixth Sense and you said, you know, and hey, you know, what's great from a content perspective is we can tell you, where the buyer is at a certain point and you might need to address this with content because I'm just thinking, okay, so Sixth Sense then says, we suggest the recommended uh, chat GPT um, <laughs> uh, request could help you create this content warning. Uh, please finish it off with the human to make sure that it's correct. But I mean, obviously you could integrate further and you could say, here's a here's a article that we wrote to help you address this buyer's um, decision, although that would be more top of funnel, of course, um, rather than but not, nece but not necessarily. Like, imagine, you know, um, imagine if you know you had a you had an ABX tool that you know, like Sixth Sense, that could tell you that can illuminate all of these different concerns that a specific contact or a specific buyer might have, or an account, right? And you know where they are in the buyer's journey, and you know their industry, and you know, et cetera could have theoretically the the ai create content that um dynamically you know it's like that that would include all of those kinds of concerns for that specific constituent right yeah yeah you could this is like in a way and i get goosebumps thinking about this but in a way this is the one-to-one -one abx or, or abm dream the paradise that like i don't think that you can do very well actually at scale right like one-to-one, -one, you know, ABM, you know, engagement with a, with a contact or an account uh, requires a lot of, a lot of specific and, you know, research specific heavy lifting in terms of content creation, making sure that it's specifically tuned to that business's needs. Well, you know, again, with enough investment, enough, you know, experimentation, enough, you know, savvy production, whatever you want to call it, that one-to-one, -one, you know, bespoke content creation could theoretically happen with, you know, with a chat GPT like solution. Right. And that's, that's suddenly like super exciting because that, I think that's the promised land that ABM hasn't, that like ABM likes to talk about, but that it doesn't rare, it rarely sticks the landing on that's when it comes to at scale. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I said before, um, you know, sort of top of funnel, I was thinking about, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily be able to address uh, some of the, like, you know, say providing demos and things like that. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, no, actually, I mean, even down to more lower funnel, uh, an apprehension this buyer has could be addressed by this case study that you have on your website. Here's an email 
that you could write to this person or here's the here's the they're active on LinkedIn here's the LinkedIn post that has that case to be that if they <laughs> this there's, there's so much I imagine we could go off on a big segue hey, yeah. <laughs> Amy, Amy come work with me because that's what we're that's what we're thinking about over here yeah yeah and, you know and, and and I think that you know if there's if there's anything that you know our conversation this part of our conversation illustrates is that like if you or if one sets aside the def the very human defensiveness of this thing's coming, this thing's like Pac-Man and it's coming for my job, right? Or I'm not technically minded. This is for the nerds. I can't do any of this stuff. And instead, like open your mind to a, a positive um, success state. Let's just assume that it exists, right? Let's just pretend that the, that, that the people in the machines are getting along, right? And that, and that the dream of optimized yakety schmackety blah, blah, blah is real. Well, what then could you do with it? And I think that, that once people kind of climb over, you know, that kind of emotionally driven hurdle, um, often driven by fear, um, yeah. that, that they can find a place that you and I have just found where it's like, and what if, and what if, and what up? And, and then it's, um, it's, it's a much more productive and, and pleasing conversation. Yeah. It is, isn't it? And I agree with you. It's a lot of it is driven by fear, and that as it when that's eliminated, yeah, there's <laughs> it opens up a bigger conversation. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting topic, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> me too. Me too. And we're and the wonderful thing is that this is just the earliest, most nascent days of this conversation. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, something that you you mentioned um when you were talking about ways that can be integrated into teams and businesses, and you were talking about support that you might get and how it might change the structure of teams roles at outsource providers things like that um in your role at sixth sense um from through managing the the content team within the marketing operation are there particular areas that you uh like to very specifically keep in house and then others that you actually prefer to outsource and get expertise elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question. Yeah, the answer is yes. All content is beautiful. All content is special. All content is wonderful and effective, but some content is more strategically important than other content, right? Not all content is, is created equal in that respect. So what I do is I kind of do a decision. It's kind of like almost like a little matrix or, you know, decision-making tree, like a branching narrative in my mind of like, okay, well, what's the, like, what's the content strategy fueling this story um, or, or blog post or, you know, asset, whatever you want to call it. Um, where do you, where do we think we'll distribute it? Like how much promotion will it get? Um, how significantly is it serving the business needs? And the more explicitly it serves business needs, like, tells the story of a, um, of a vertical, of specific persona, an underserved persona, whatever it might be, that all goes to my in-house team, right? And the reason, the reason being is that they've got more kind of like just the fluency of the solution and the fluency of our positioning and our value proposition when it comes to these particular topics that we might, writing about, might be writing about. It's just in the water. It's in the air, right? These people know it better than, you know, like a, like a freelancer. Um, uh, the, for the freelancers, and, and again, like, like I, I think some of my most favorite content to create is top of funnel because there's a there's a great creative challenge in terms of like how do you take something that is so complicated and make it you know compelling and interesting and and legitimately educational to a cold reader like I love that stuff because that reminds me of like newspaper reporting you know like back in the day 
but that stuff, um, you know, is generally more kind of commoditized and, and that, and that will go to our, to our freelancers who are, you know, perfectly suited to, to not be writing to a specific kind of, um, business need or vertical, but are being champions for a general reader, which in itself is, you know, is, is, is worthy work. So it's typically that's how we, how we kind of break it down. That makes sense. Yeah. That completely makes sense. It's a good approach. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and in terms of like our in-house people, for instance, when it comes to, um, okay, so we want to write something about the manufacturing vertical. Well, we have like a writer who's on the manufacturing beat and that writer has relationships with subject matter experts within the business who, you know, are savvy about how to sell to manufacturers, what they're concerned about, you know, what capabilities of our product they, you know, manufacturers might use the most. So there is a, there's also like an in-house, there's an ease of collaborating with people across departments within the business because of that, again, that in the water fluency that, that the writers have, and then the other people uh, at, in other departments have. So it just, it just seems to make, it's almost like its own ecosystem. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got some quick fire questions to ask you, um, Chris, to finish off our fantastic conversation. Um, so number one, what would you say is a typically overlooked or undervalued tool that you'd recommend to content marketers like yourself? Okay. I'm going to go back to, so firstly, I'm going to go back to the mantra of like, don't overthink it. Right. And, and that then is reflected it. I think that that ethos is then should be reflected in your project management software. Right. And I do recommend that like people, I, I didn't believe in it until like, until I did. Right. It's just like AI, like, like, oh, we can do this all in our head. We've got Google Docs to document all this stuff. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, I saw that. <laughs> I <Whoa>. saw that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so again, it's like, so what do I, so, and so where am I going with this? Where it's like, don't, like, don't overthink it um, and make that simplicity and elegance as, as replicate that in Asana. Because I think that in Asana, especially, um, you can have like an infinite number of like subtasks and checkboxes and did you do this and did you follow this protocol and da 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 and and the productivity of a person gets bogged gets gets bogged down in the mire of like well did I it didn't like I'm an unwitting bottleneck in the pr the production process because I didn't move the field from this to this and I've got five people over here tapping their watch waiting for the thing to to get published but because we have this really rigid production you know flow. And I've just being a person forgot to do that. Like now, now it's a five alarm fire. Right. And so I, and so in terms of like what, how we use Asana, because, you know, different departments within the business use it in different ways, but our workflow um, for editorial really rough, you know, does a very good job of kind of replicating that, that streamlined approach. Yeah. So, no. so I would bring that, I would bring that mindset to your, to your project management software, whatever it is. Yeah. Asana is great. We're, we're um, team ClickUp over here, but I've used, it's the same thing. We've used Asana, sure. um, Basecamp, ClickUp, we used to use Trello, but they're, yeah, they're fantastic and they yeah. all have their own benefits. Um, yeah. And yeah. What would you say is if you were to give just one tip to your younger self starting out in this content marketing career, what would that tip be if you were to sit down maybe when you started your first position in a role yeah. <laughs> similar now <laughs> well okay so it's like there's two answers and i think the first is one that like 
most seasoned writers who are looking back on their careers might, you know, resonate with. It's like, don't be so stupidly precious about your words, right? Yeah. You're not writing War and Peace. You're writing a blog. <laughs> you're writing a blog post. We're not saving people's lives. I was such like a, you know, diva when it came to change my words. What? That ice cracked and I got, I got smart. But the more important kind of thing is what I, what I call earning the right. You have to earn the right every 15 seconds, every two paragraphs about to keep that reader going down to the end of the blog post. And the minute you start wasting their time with throat clearing and a, where a lead, where a compelling lead should be or hand wavy flim flam where um, statistics and, you know, and third party information should be presented in a post to like make, to add credibility to the argument that you're making, right? And, you, you know, or like boom stats from your solution that illustrates its value instead of just saying, we get terrific results. I mean, that's flim flam. I mean, that's carny barking. What you need is like, you know, like, like by 200% or, you know, these particular customers found, et cetera. And so I have found that bringing tangible value through third-party research or through, you know, kind of like research-backed, you know, claims or proof points is one of many ways to, to have the reader, you know, get down one or two paragraphs lower. One, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like citing, um, you know, like citing a boom stat. It could be like even variations in terms of like using the, the visual craft of writing, subheads, it's like a breath for the reader. It's like, it's a mental breath for the reader where they can, they can pause. They, it, there's, it's like, it's almost like a clutch in a car, right? You know, you're kind of shifting or bullet points are also a really great way to kind of break up information in an easily digestible way that gets them further into the story. It's all, it's like having a fish hook in the mouth. And, and but the minute I'm telling you, the minute that you start wasting their time, they'll leave. And that's what high bounce rates represent, right? You're like, yeah. I found, and this is freaking bananas, but like, what was it? We, we did a, we did a, uh, like on average, our blogs, This and I can't, like, I know I'm misquoting this, but it was like the time on site for the blog for each blog was like four minutes. And like, that's fucking crazy because like they are six minute reads or five minute reads. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I had to pinch myself. Like, is this actually true? And and I think it represents, and, and even if I'm misquoting that stat, because I don't want that to be, you know, the, the takeaway from this, the, the, ta the takeaway isn't the number, it is the intent, the creative intent and the cognizance of making sure that you're telling a story that, you know, res that absolutely respects the reader's time and treats it sacred and, and, is in, and is committed to those moments of revelation that I was describing earlier, those moments. Yeah, absolutely fantastic advice and tips. So yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Um, and finally, so if you could create any kind of content uh, for Sixth Sense, so um, we're talking about no sort of budget bounds, world the limit. So it could be um, a, a, an ad with Tom Hanks in it or <laughs> Morgan Freeman voiceover in something, um, billboard in Times Square, um, you name it. Um, what are you going for? What are you gonna What are you going to put in place? in that project. <laughs> so I, you know, I would probably take all the money that I, that it would cost me to hire Morgan Freeman and instead, and instead, I, and I like this is, this is, 
the dream that I had when I came to Sixth Sense. It's a dream that Sixth Sense shares, okay? It's just that, you know, uh, economic realities being what they are, resources being what they are. This is a long-term goal for us instead of a short-term goal. But it is to create, you know, to make our blog or a blog associated with Sixth Sense to be like the, the place you go, right? The, the only place you need to go for information, not about like Sixth Sense. Who cares, right? Who cares about the shill? I'm not talking about the shill. I'm talking about like, if you're, if you're a manufacturer and you've got questions about ABM, this is where you go. If you're looking for trends on ABM in like terms of like emerging technologies, this is where you go. It is, you know, it is almost like, you know, a news magazine and big surprise being a former newspaper person, you know, but it like, but it, imagine it being kind of like, you know, the 21st century of, um, you know, a newspaper that you would visit every day uh, to kind of get the, to get the lowdown, you know, even for even like BDRs or SDRs, what are great tips for you in career development? I mean, like the whole spectrum, you know, with with different sections uh, serving different constituents, like that's really the, the the dream because I think that does a great good, that's worthy work in that it does a great good for the reader because they are legitimately learning and it does a great good for the business because by association with that world-class content, you know, the credibility of the business is illustrated and I'm sure there would be some some lift, you know, ge you know generated by it. I love that answer because it's, um it's obviously achievable and, and you, you're clearly on the way there to it. It is, it is yeah. I'm sure we will see you achieve that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, God willing and, you know, but it is achievable, you know, but we know it's achievable because exactly. we see it every, every day, um, you know, as it made manifest in a newspaper. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So I, awesome. I, I'm sure I've gobbled up far too much of your time. <laughs> no, I am no. so very sorry for, <laughs> for going on and on and on. Absolutely. No apologies at all. It's been a wonderful conversation, Chris. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, everyone listening, I'm sure, is going to be hugely appreciative of spending this time with you. So where do you want people to connect with you if they want to uh, find out more and just stay connected to you and all of your wonderful ideas? <laughs> sure. Well, well, um, yeah, I'm morally obligated to uh, to shill the business. So you can find our all our great work at sixcents.com, but you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search for either JC Hutchins or Chris Hutchins, and I should I should pop up right away. Cool. And of course, we'll put the links to that in the show notes as well. So everything will be there. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. So thanks for your time. <laughs> I appreciate it too. And uh, thanks so much for the interest and the opportunity to, to share. Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. Do let me know what you thought of our conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website, content10x.com, where you'll find information and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and I'll catch you in the next one.